Welcome to season two of the Age Sister podcast. This season, we're talking all about women at work. So let's get started with today's expert. Hey everyone, this week on the Age Sister podcast, I'm doing something completely different. I've recently been recording a series of fireside chats with some incredible women. And this is the first in the series where we'll be talking all about rebalancing work and life in the new normal. Enjoy. Okay, so I think maybe we'll just get started. Um, And then as people come in, I'll just um, be letting them in. So if you see me looking away, that's what I'm doing. So welcome everybody to the first of a series of fireside chats on women at work. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about rebalancing um, work life in the new normal. Um, So today, I have two fantastic panelists with me. Um, I'm joined by Anne-Marie Delorier, who's joining us from Montreal. Anne-Marie is the founder at Delan, an IT recruitment company, um, and Anne-Marie founded um, Delan in 1997 along with another partner who's since retired. And uh, she's grown the business to over 20 employees. Um, And that's a really team-oriented and dynamic business uh, that has carved out this space in IT headhunting. And Anne-Marie's given um, some sessions at conferences that have been around um, the IT labor shortage and best practices in recruitment um, and um, attracting talent. So welcome, Anne-Marie. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great to have you. And we're also joined by Michelle Chan, who is a manager of employee engagement at Air Canada. And um, she describes that as mostly solving people problems. Um, Michelle is a self-described maverick and improviser and creative. And she's currently working on transformation, employee experience, engagement, and people analytics. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you. And I'm Kate Milne. I'm a healthy aging specialist. Um, I help employers support and retain their midlife and older female staff. And I do that through really targeted well-being programs uh, and by helping them become more age-friendly overall. So if you see me looking away, um, I'm looking to make sure that we've let everybody into the uh, room. And um, so we'll get started by me just giving some background. Um, I'm just gonna let one more person in. Great. Um, So I just wanna maybe give some context to why we're focusing on this particular topic. So I think many people are aware that there are a number of things going on. There's a labor shortage. We have, um, you know, the great resignation or some people are calling it the great reshuffling. Um, But one of the things to help us sort of understand the pieces from my perspective, particularly around age, 
um, is this idea of prime age workers leaving the workforce. So prime age, for people who don't know, are folks between the ages of 25 and 54. And so there's been this sort of steady movement of those folks leaving the workforce um, for a while now, for several years. And um, we know that one in eight men right now are um, not in the workforce. And that's actually a higher rate than during the Great Depression. So that's pretty significant. But women have been leaving at an even higher and more unprecedented rate. And this was even prior to COVID. And we know that, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic has really exacerbated some of these issues. Um, so we've got this confluence of things happening. We've got, uh, you know, a labor shortage just in terms of the number of people coming into the workforce. We've got this stream of people who are leaving for all sorts of reasons. We've got the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact of that. And then we've also got a really significant issue of population aging in Canada. Um, and sometimes that population aging piece gets missed um, in that mix. So it might surprise you to know that one of the fastest growing demographics is women over the age of 55. And that the prediction is that they will make up one third of new hires by 2026. Um, so that's a pretty significant part of our workforce that are those women um, that are coming up in that age group. So my focus is women in midlife. Um, and I focus really specifically on this age group because of some of the research that I've done um, in aging and well-being. And this is an important group to target for so many reasons around um, health and around um, chronic disease prevention, but also from this employee piece, from this employee retention piece. So one of the first things that I typically get asked around um, aging and um, some of the definitions um, beyond, people always ask me, what's an older adult? What's a senior? How do you define that? But a bigger question is, what's midlife? How are we defining midlife? It just seems kind of nebulous um, in an age when people are living longer, people are much healthier as they get older typically. So in the research, we define midlife between 35 to 54. And I'm sure there are a lot of people gasping at that. That seems awfully early. But I think practically, we typically think about midlife in um, sort of early 40s to mid to late 50s. And we can think of that because, you know, the average lifespan of a woman in Canada is about 84 years old. So we know um, that uh, midlife is typically sort of mid 40s or early 40s and beyond. Um, and this, oh, Michelle, did we lose you just for a minute there? Sorry. You just I... went off the screen. No problem. No <laughs> yeah. problem. Um, so this group of midlife women, I think, are really important to focus on because when we think about that group that's leaving the workforce and the folks who've been really impacted by COVID-19. And we'll be talking more about that well-being and lifestyle piece around how they've been impacted in um, some of our upcoming fireside chats. 
But one of the things to think about is this idea that, you know, in 2019, McKinsey did a study on um, or a report on um, folks' intent to leave the workforce. And even though there was this steady stream leaving, there was still a core um, group of people who intended to stay, and that was men and women, and that was quite equal. Well, things have really changed by 2022. We know now that 68% of women um, plan to stay in their current roles, and that's down by 22% in just one year. So that's pretty significant. Um, and this is, uh, we see this the most in mid-level management positions. And so we know a lot of women in midlife are in those positions and C-suite women are leaving at the highest numbers of all. So we have this group that maybe is being, um, I don't wanna say missed in the conversation, but maybe we need a little bit of additional focus on um, because those, as we know, that group of women are key um, to many organizations in terms of institutional knowledge, mentorship, um, and just being in those roles um, that are important to the organization. So I hope that provides a bit of background about why we're why we're here today and why we're talking uh, recruitment and why we're talking employee engagement and um, bringing the three of us together to talk about this great rebalancing. Um, so I am going to be asking questions posed to the panelists and we'll sort of be going back and forth. Um, and so I'm gonna start with a question for both of our panelists and maybe Anne-Marie, I'll start with you, just around helping us to understand this idea of the new normal from your perspective and what, what does that look like? What does that mean? I have my cat here, of course. New normal is working from home. <laughs> <laughs> um, First of all, we're in IT, so I'm talking from an IT perspective, an IT women's perspective as well. And from my perspective, because I'm 60, so you've got the whole package here. Um, the, the new normal, I, I don't think anybody, in my point of view, is ready to go back nine to five in the office. Yesterday in Montreal, there was a snowstorm. And I drove maybe 20 minutes. I turned back. Five years ago, I would have been two hours in traffic heading downtown. I would have never thought of turning back. So the new normal is the flexibility of working from home and the flexibility of having a job and, and doing it. It could be nine to five, if, that, if that's what you want. But it could be also from 10 to 12, from three to nine. It, 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 that's what people are looking for. People are looking for flexibility. I, I think that's the new normal. You need to set, you know, what the job is, the goals, the, you know, the why, the how, the when, and then let them play in their sandbox. Mm. That's my point of view. And Michelle, what are you seeing in your role? And are there any things that have really shifted from your perspective for employees in general? 
Um, for, for employees, definitely um, more courage to demand and sort of figure out how to do this because there there were some assumptions where certain environments you couldn't actually work from home. So like take our contact centers. And but that's not true. The the contact centers when the pandemic hit and they announced, you know, um there when when people were like, oh my God, I have COVID, you know, we needed to keep the operation running. So they figured it out. So the this whole idea that you can't is you have to reevaluate. Is that true? First of all, I mean, there's certain parts of, you know, the airline that you can't do from home, but um, we are challenging the the status quo. Um, but I, I would say, you know, I am seeing um, a resistance, <laughs> a resistance to adapt to this idea of, you know, flexibility and working from home and the willingness to allow for it. You know, I, I, um, even though, you know, you you have maybe an HR team saying this is this is who we have to be and we're going to write a policy and then you turn around and you hand it over to the leaders, the leaders are going to just take it and they're going to do what they think is right for their business and they have the freedom to say, no, I want my employees to, to come back. And so there's there's sort of a, 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 the power has shifted, I'd say. Like who has the power and the say in this? And, you know, those leaders are going to face, you know, that great resignation then. And, but <clears throat> they have to learn to adapt. And I think the pandemic has finally shown us who were great leaders, who weren't. Like before we might have known, but now we have this filter of like, okay, you know, maybe I thought this person was a bad leader, but now they're really bad. <laughs> you know, you've seen how they handle the crisis. And so I think that causes us to reevaluate, you know, your situation, your reality. Do Is it worth it to, to you know, handle the bad leadership? I don't know. I think I think there's been this new filter and a new test of leadership because leaders, I think, are always imposing change on employees. And this is where they didn't have a choice. And I see that resistance. And, and I think they're now being tested just as much as employees have because they didn't have a choice. Right. <clears throat> wow. And Anne-Marie, from your perspective, when you think about what employees are looking for in this new normal with all of these changes. Um, what are some of the things that you're seeing, especially around uh, midlife women? In general, I think, you know, people in general want recognition. They really want, you know, recognition for, for what they what they've been doing. And they also want financial recognition based on what they can bring to the table. Not necessarily how many years of experience you have, but what's your your expertise? They want they want that. They want recognition on that. That's pretty much on a, a global, you know, uh, of what people want. Um, the younger ones they want to keep their footprint. The the older ladies in, in midlife, I think they they want, you know. It, it, midlife and i hate 
I hate when when people say midlife. I th I think the fifties is the new thirties, uh, but but uh, and and I'll tell you why, because mm -hmm. at fifty or fifty five or sixty, you're going back. You've got the same things. You've got aging parents that you can't take care of. When you were at thirty, you had your kids, right? Or you have a modern family and maybe your spouse has a younger child. So you need to take care of those or you have grandkids. You need So you need the same flexibility you had when you were 30. But what do you want? You want your life back. You want those two, three years you had for you that you, you needed to take care of the me side of things. That's what you want. You know, I had maybe three years of me. I have no more me. I even told my daughter, listen, I need my life back. I really do. I need to start exercising again, which I, I stopped because I have two grandkids. But I think that's what, I, what midlife women want. They want their life back. They want the flexibility of doing things for them. And I think that any employer that can see that and give them that will keep them longer and will keep the 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 the, um, um, the knowledge in the company because they also want to give back like you know they want to be mentors they they want to give back to the community or to the business they they have the knowledge they have the capabilities some of them don't have spouses kids or whatever but they still think that it's time to think about me. Hey, what have I done for me? So that's my take on this. I think it, yes, you know, you, you have a younger people that, you know, are very entrepreneurial, they, they need the big sandbox, they need the play, yes. But as a midlife woman, you need the me that's important there. Mm -hmm. And are there specific requests that you see um, from employees in terms of what they're looking for to accommodate that kind of lifestyle? Well, to accommodate that lifestyle, employees want the flexibility, the work from home. They, they want the power of being the master of their own time. They, they, they would like to work. I have some people that are early birds that I have emails at 5.30 in the morning, but don't try catching them after 3.30. It's impossible. They're off, whatever. And I have others that are emailing me at 7 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. As the president of the of Delan, I'm available. <laughs> but, you, you know, you need that flexibility to be able to, to, to manage not the company, but manage the human inside the company. And I think the companies that didn't focus on humans before and just KPIs and monies and P&L and that's it. And if you don't make it, you go. I think these companies are not gonna be able to recruit properly, especially with the great resignation because they don't have these the core value, the core human values that reach out to these employees that that's what they want. They want to be recognized for them. They want to have a space. They want to have a say. And they want that say to be recognized. Hey, listen, I'm talking to you. Hello. You're not listening. Mm -hmm. So 
those are the demands, the flexibility, the human side, the listening power. Of course, everybody wants great projects, great, you know, work environment and friendly and everything. And, you know, they, they want to be recognized money-wise. But it's not only the money. It's really the whole package of the company. You know, is the company uh, environmentally friendly? You know, circular economy. All of that is in the heads of, of younger generation and even people older. I mean, I'm thinking about my grandkids when I'm thinking about circular environment, environmentally friendly company. What is my grandson going to live in in, you know, 50 years from now? So it's all in our minds. So I think a company that has the values of putting the human in center stage has all the capabilities of be doing a great job with uh, and being successful. Wow. So those are all the ways that we can think about, um, you know, getting those folks in the door. And Michelle, I'm going to turn to you and say, What's different now in terms of engagement? What what are you seeing that's maybe some of the challenges or things that might be different? I would say if you're looking at data like your engagement surveys, like your, you know, those are typical. You ask employees what they want, how they're feeling. <clears throat> but a survey um, is only sort of one piece. And you can't sort of take that at face value. And it has to do with um, a pulse survey that I did, you know, just like you had um, mentioned the research on, you know, uh, the great resignation or who plans to stay. We did the same and we found the same thing. You know, 80% of our workforce plan to stay. And we thought, great, we don't have an issue with retention then. People want to stay, but you know what people want and what they have to do or what life throws at them is it's a very different story um so you can't just say oh well our engagement survey said we don't have a, a retention problem or a talent gap <laughs> like that's just not how it's gonna work you know and uh and people as the pandemic kind of continued People did reevaluate and they got poached. Like they were like, oh my God, I, I can go over here and, you know, this industry's safer. Or um, I don't have to be on my email 24 7 with this other opportunity. I don't even care about the money. <laughs> you know, like people are now figuring out their boundaries. Like just like uh, Anne Marie had said, you know, like we want recognition. But I think. The other piece is I'm going to, you know, establish my clear boundaries of when you can email me because <laughs> or else I'm going to burn out. And, you know, I think that's what happened with a lot of people is the moment that they hit that, you know, wall. They're like, wait a second, life is too short. And uh, I don't know if this is worth it anymore. You know, so just real like whatever situation, you know, that life threw at them, you know, they they had to take a hard look. And I would say that with, you know, Air Canada, our employees absolutely love the brand. Like we have people who never considered leaving ever. And now we have we struggle with, you know, people leaving. and We're not used to it. 
and uh, it's it's kind of shocking, I guess, to to the whole organization uh, because we didn't really have to worry about it before. Uh, but it's those boundaries. It's you know people are now willing to say what their boundaries are and standing up for that. Yeah. Wow. So I'm going to um, ask you both this question, and it's kind of interesting. You know, I wrote a, a report 20 years ago on work-life balance, and it was such a big thing then, you know, this idea that we could balance our life and work. And I think we're all aware, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic, that that's less um, realistic. But I guess I'd wanted you to maybe um, talk about what are some of the specific work-life issues that you see that people are trying to do this balancing or rebalancing since COVID. So, um, and that's especially around women, you know, in midlife, what are the things that have become more challenging now? So Anne-Marie, maybe I'll start with you. Okay. Um, well, like I said, 50s is the new 30s. So you've got to rebalance your life because you have things that are in front of you on your table that you didn't have before. You have grandkids that you want to see. You have aging parents. Maybe you have a sick, sick, sick spouse or maybe you have a retired spouse. Maybe he's retired. He wants to play golf. Come play golf. Oh, I want to go on vacation. You have different issues. So rebalancing your 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 life is giving the flexibility. It, it turns around flexibility all the time. But I think that if you put the human in the middle, the a human being is flexible. Oh, let's go here. Oh, let's eat this. No, well, there's not that. We're gonna do the so. That flexibility is is necessary, but you all we all have things that are given to us and we're not expected. You know, you could have the death of somebody also because your your parents are growing older, and you need to take care maybe of your father, your mother. You don't you don't know, but it's it's brought upon you. And if you're like me and you're an only child, it's even worse because you, you're you're the only one to 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 be able to you know to do all this. But but I would think that rebalancing your your life evolves around, like Michelle said, the boundaries. I've got boundaries. I've got things to do, and life is short. And I think everybody saw how life was short. With all the COVID, we had cases and all the deaths we had here, and especially in Quebec and all our, our old folks' homes that were, it was completely, completely out of, anyway, I'm not going to talk about it, but it was crazy. Um, and now you're thinking, and we are, okay, I'm not going to let my parents go in a whole folks' home. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to bring them home? Okay. How do I do this? And how do we still work because we're still in the middle of the workforce, both of us, but we're still midlife. So how it, does all of this affect? And if I wasn't the president and founder of Delan, what would I need? I would need an employer that, that would listen to me and be open to my demands because he would think that I'm necessary for the company. And even if I work three days a week, I'm worth a five days a week person. 
Mm. All of this is 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 reshuffling and restructuring or or making companies think about, hmm, I hadn't thought about that before. What if she leaves? She leaves, I have to replace her. How can I replace her? There's nobody out there. How long will I have to work without her if she leaves? Maybe it's better that I keep Anne-Marie because I'm not going to find another Anne-Marie for another six months. And if her job is separated amongst the employees that I have, they might burn out. So all of this is, is probably making presidents of companies, large companies like Air Canada, probably stick to their stomachs because they hadn't thought about it before. And now they need to think, okay, maybe my bottom line is going to be, you know, benefits are going to be maybe smaller because I need to give back. I need to give back time. I need to give back money. I need to give back to the people that if I didn't have these people, I wouldn't have a company. Mm. That's the okay. bottom line. Yeah. So true. And Michelle, what about you? What are some of the work life issues that maybe are different since the COVID-19 pandemic that you're seeing in, in the employees well, that you work with? So Air Canada, we, we always say this is like our mantra, we're safety first. Like when we're traveling, we have to prioritize safety, but also employee safety. And the one thing that I think needs more attention is that psychological safety. If I have a life on, you know, that I got to take care of, I got to take care of kids, grandkids, parents, I need to know that it's safe to come to my leaders and say, I need these things. Instead of suffering in silence, I feel like women do this <clears throat> because there's an expectation, you know, there's, there's these identities that are that we have, like you're a mother, you're a caregiver, and you're and you're selfless. And then you you end up sacrificing all the pieces of you. And then you're left with like this empty shell. And you know, now you you need to advocate for your well-being, but you also need to say, I need this help and the support needs to be there. Like someone has to be on the receiving end when you're ready to advocate for yourself and your needs. And I think that that's what the pandemic's doing. And we should be paying attention to psychological safety and emotional well-being of employees. So I did this experiment um, as a result of our Pulse survey on employee well-being. And uh, we wanted to understand ongoing if we if we could actually measure it. And so we used our recognition platform to do that. We actually asked the question, you know, how do you feel today? And our employees could actually rate how they were feeling with five emojis. And unfortunately, like Air Canada had turned off that survey. But prior to, I guess, the first year of the pandemic, we actually had three years worth of data and then so we built sort of a dashboard on that and then we wanted to bring it back. We thought, okay, let's try to modify that same question and how can we collect that data? And basically we learned that adults are, um, they, we don't have a whole lot of emotional literacy. We have a hard time 
identifying our emotions. And, you know, we used to say, you know, crying isn't acceptable at work or, you know, you, you have to have, you know, you have to have your game face. You can't reveal too much. And that's, that's flipping because, you know, being the pandemic, what happened is family life, work life, it all became one. <laughs> you couldn't separate those things. And, you know, you had the needs. Like we, I mean, like think about all the women who had to like figure out work and then having children <laughs> go to school virtually. Like I, I feel like so many parents were going to explode. Like I myself, I said, if I have to do virtual school again, I'm going to quit. <laughs> like that's, I would I would threaten my partner because it was awful. <laughs> I feel like it was, and it was just the burden was on so much on on women. And like you know, like you know, kudos to the to the men who stepped in or the partners who stepped in, you know, to to try to be equal here. But I heard time and time again that, you know, even even some of the, the CAMH data, data that came through, it's the women with kids or caregivers that were suffering the most. And I think the rest of the world just stood by and just watched. They were like, OK, we have this data and this is the problem. We, we are good at identifying the problems. We are not good at fixing them mm -hmm. like the like for ourselves and then you know the supports around us and i think there's a there's a de and i element here you know if people understood flexibility and return to work that means they are mindful and paying attention and they understand that is an inclusive initiative but those workplaces who say no no, no we want you to come back to work I can't imagine what their DE&I <laughs> strategies are because they're essentially saying, no, 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 I don't care what your situation is. We're going back to the old way. <clears throat> and it's it's obviously not human-centered. And so, you know, I, I do think that that human-centered approach to employee experience, we're going to have to pay attention to that much more, that employee journey. Um, and parsing out those personas, right? So even if, you know, you gave a, a really big gap in that age, that midlife age, and you said, I think you said at 35 or 34, that's still like childbearing age. Like think about all the women who are, are having children later in life or these mixed families. You know, like think about that. Like if, if I sacrifice things and now I'm like, you know what, if, if there's never a good time to have a kid, I'm going to just do it. <laughs> you know, like, I, I just feel like we need to start to pay attention to that journey and not sort of bucket, you know, women in sort of these identities. Because just like, you know, Anne-Marie had said, like, when are you going to have time for yourself? <laughs> Honestly, that's like for myself, I am praying for that day. <laughs> I actually have two, three years max, Michelle. That's it. That's all you get. <laughs> that, and that, I, that when you said that, it made me so sad. I, I, I swear I'm going to run away. I'm, I'm going to just leave my family because I'm like, I need silence. <laughs> I have like a 19 year old and I have a five year old and you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, 
it's crazy because I feel like mothers, like we're, when it comes to DNI, I don't even think we're on the radar, but we're the ones who are forgotten. I, I swear it, it never, it, there's, I don't even know if there's an ERG for that. There's maybe parents, but moms in particular, they're suffering in silence. And, you know, I don't mean to exclude those women who decide not to have kids, too. Like, you know, I'm trying to be mindful here. <laughs> like, that's not the end all and be all, right? Uh, but I do think that research does show that. Can and I then add something? Hold on. Can oh, I add yeah, something? of course. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Michelle, you're absolutely right. You know, we don't want to exclude anybody that doesn't have children. And I think even if you don't have children, women... They have a mental charge of everything. I don't know if, if it's in our DNA, but but we take charge and the mental charge is there. It's on our shoulders. Our shoulders are big like this. I mean, kudos to the men that, t you know, take care and, and make dinner and, and do the groceries or whatever. But <laughs> I would think that it's mostly, if you had a survey out there, it's mostly the women that do it. Mostly. So mm -hmm. the mental charge is, is there. And I think that's what we should get rid of what we can't. Yeah. And I think that plays into my next question just around burnout, because that's something that, you know, that that idea of mental load, you know, that women are carrying on this second shift mm -hmm. um, and that because of the COVID-19 pandemic, that two thirds of informal caregivers in Canada who are already women are now even more burdened that caregiving aside from just caregiving for children but caregiving for parents or relatives or a spouse is now you know one of the main reasons that women leave work um, and so I just think of this all of this coming together you know all of us I think feel pretty burned out after a few years of this pandemic there's now this idea that a lot of people will start to return to the workplace and that's really stressful. And then with women, as Anne-Marie said, this additional mental load um, that we carry around anyway, but that has been made worse by the pandemic. What are your thoughts on that, on that burnout piece? It's a lonely journey. Like, I don't, I don't think it's it's hard to admit to yourself, you know, when you hit that point and then you're kind of like, if you, if you never felt burned out, how do you even know, you know, so you, you kind of pretend everything's okay. <laughs> and then you keep on going or you talk yourself out of it, or, you know, you may, you may need to check in with someone like, do you feel this? And like, how do you identify it? If you, if it's not familiar, um, but, uh, like, I think I've been sort of challenging myself with that question <laughs> all through the pandemic because I, I noticed like odd behaviors. Like, honestly, I would uh, I would just cry. I would randomly need to cry. And I was like, I think this is stress. <laughs> and I would just kind of like, OK, I'm going to go with it. I'm just going to let myself cry. But it would just be whenever wherever and and the triggers were really odd it could be a song it could be like a commercial like <laughs> that would just it would just happen and so I would be like maybe this is nothing you know 
<laughs> you would just kind of try to dismiss it. So I think it's it's that lonely, lonely journey of, you know, either you face it or you deny it. You keep on going, right? Because it's, again, other people need you. And so you just, you know, mm. like, you know, my one... I have this really good friend. She would always tell me the same story. Like we had, we, we both worked at a bank and this one woman just kept on going, kept on going. And she was getting ready to travel. And just before she went, she just, she, she dropped in to see her doctor and her doctor told her and said, you are burnt out and you need to not go on this business trip. And she just laughed at the doctor. She's, she said, what are you talking about? And she just she drove home. She was getting ready to get, you know, on this business trip. She sat on the couch and she did not leave that couch for a week. Because wow. it hit her that she was burnt out and she didn't move. Her husband literally had to put the laptop in front of her to speak to a doctor. And that's that's like I, I don't think like anyone wants to get to that point. But it's it's scary. Right. Because we have we might not have anything to go on to say you're burnt out because we're so used to denying it. Um, So it's it's that lonely journey. Yeah. So true. Any thoughts on that, Anne-Marie? Actually, yes. You know, burnout, like you said, Michelle, you 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 don't see it coming. And during the pandemic, I think people felt at loss of everything, at loss of, you know, after a few months, you didn't touch anybody, your, your close friends, you didn't so, gather socially, you, you, you spoke only uh, on the internet with your, your, your friends, you know, the proximity of people. So you felt that loss. And, and, and for me, I'm, I'm, I love people. I have a big house. It's always full. Everybody can come in. There's always dinner for whoever. It doesn't matter. Um, and that was my, my. It, it, it was like right core and center in my heart. And you know where I felt it? Exactly that in my stomach right there. I started having stomach aches and stomach pains. And I was going, what the hell is this? And But, but that's what it was. And... The more I thought about it, the more, the worse it became, right? And, and so have to relax, have to, to, to yoga, to, to, to breathe, to take some walks and to try to figure it out before it really hits you too much. And you know, on vacation, um, because some of us tend not to take vacation often, and we need to. And I spoke to this young man in the pool. He was 30 and he was looking at me. And, and we were last week in Jamaica, like Kate and, and Michelle know, with my family, my kids, grown kids. My son is the partner in the land with my grandkids, two and one. And he was saying, kudos to you, you know. I wish my mom could be here. And I said, oh. She, he said, no, she was 55 and she died in her sleep. So he said, just enjoy 
life. Enjoy every moment. It's not only about the work or the money. You 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 need to enjoy what you do. And I was going, okay. I I I had no clue what to say, but I think it really hit me then and there that you need to enjoy life and to set, like you said, boundaries that weren't set before. And I think the younger generation is setting them now and is changing the workforce as we known it before. Wow. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. That um, I think that's a perfect place for us to end. Um, that's really profound. It's so true. Um, and I think hopefully things are changing. Um, I wanted to let everybody know on the call that we will be sending out a recording of this conversation to our registered participants. Um, and we will also be having these upcoming fireside chats on exactly um, what we were just talking about. In fact, on May 5th, in honor of Mental Health Awareness Week in Canada, um, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Georgie Toma, who's a researcher in New Zealand, and she's built um, a toolkit for burnout in the workplace. And so we're gonna be talking about just some practical approaches to managing mental health in the workplace. That's on May 5th. I'll put that up in LinkedIn um, and make sure that folks can register. And then on May 17th, um, I will be uh, joined by a couple of panelists. We're just finalizing right now, but we're going to be doing another talk on rethinking the meaning of well-being in uh, midlife women. And I think you can tell from today's conversation, that's a really important thing that we should be thinking about. What does well-being really mean? So thank you so much to my two wonderful panelists for joining me today. That was just such great information. Um, and um, I look forward to getting the recording out to everybody. So thanks again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kate, for having us. Thanks for listening to the Age Sister Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review the episode on your favorite podcast app. We'll also be posting the show notes and any other important information at www.cardeahealthconsulting.com.